Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Here's what people like. Well, I confess Jesus Christ is my Savior because I need that piece of paper to get to heaven. Hallelujah. Ain't going to work. You can't just confess him as Savior. You have to confess him as what? Lord. The opening statement from Jesus is this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do what I say. You see, being your Savior isn't going to make it. He's got to be your Lord. That's what a disciple is, a follower. The idea of Jesus as Savior can be comforting. After all, if we think we need saved, it's good to know that there's someone to save us, right? Well, that's not all that Jesus said we needed. Pastor Mark is going to be teaching about that. We will see that the Bible says that we need to submit to the Lordship, not just the Saviorship of Jesus. That's a different proposition with more serious ramifications for our lives. Pastor Mark will be sharing how this goes hand-in-hand with the idea of the need for a heart transplant and placing God in the control center of our lives and the benefits of doing so. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study, A Checkup of Our Heart. wants God off the throne of our life. So I have to guard it. And we're going to show you how to do that this morning. We need to guard our hearts how often? Basically daily. In times of adversity, for sure, like we're at right now, we don't run out of here and hate people just because things didn't go well. We have to guard our heart. And we have to guard our heart in temptation. Now, I'm going to read for you the next verses. We're going to read it together. But I want you to look at me. I want you to focus on this. We're going to see these words like sight and conduct in actually our words. And Solomon's going to talk about things that actually come and are in control. And here's the things we have to guard. Our words, our sight, and our conduct. We have to be careful where they go. Let's begin. Look at verse 23. You already read it, but let's read it again in context. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Verse 24. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. So what he's saying? I have to guard my mouth. Why? Why do I have to guard my mouth? Because negative, critical, gossip stuff can come from my mouth. Now, where does that really come from? It comes from the heart. How many here this morning 
have ever, maybe even in the last year, you've opened up and said something, and the minute you said it, you wish you could take those words and go, oh, stuff them right back in. How many can say, yeah, exactly right. And say, here we say this. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. It just came out of me. It wasn't what I was thinking at all. Wrong. <laughs> the reason you said it is because it came where? From you. Oh, it's just a thought that passed by, and so I just said it. No, it comes from inside of us. This is what I'm concerned about. The pretty soon Christians divide themselves and they become weird over here. And we're going to stand over here as the pure, self-righteous people that really, we don't have anything to do with these other people. Well, wait a minute. We were one of those other people. So be careful. We have to have words that are encouraging and building up instead of critical, negative, especially gossip. Verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. What's that? Avoid temptation. In the summer at the beach, guys, wise thing. Let your lies just go straight ahead. <laughs> Ladies, quit laughing. You're the problem. Let's let the lies go straight, straight, straight ahead. Straight ahead. Amen? You got one amen. Okay. <laughs> Verse 26. So verse 25 is just careful with temptation because Satan loves. Number one thing Satan does is tempt us. Verse 26, give careful thought to the paths for your feet. It means lifestyle, where you're going, where you're walking. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So it means avoid getting sidetracked on the wrong path, so easily to get off. So we have, to, we have to focus on our hearts, and we have to guard them from our words, our sight, our conduct, temptation, adversity, all of these things in life. Now, it's a dangerous thing not to guard our hearts. And Jesus will now tell us what an unhealthy heart looks like. We have a song that we sing around here a lot. Change me on the outside, change me on the outside, change me on the outside. Is that right? How does it go? Change me what? Oh, it's inside. Really? Exactly. You see, a lot of people, you'll see in a moment, think it's about the outside. No, if the inside's right, the outside's right. Do you got it? Okay. Now, watch in this passage, Jesus uses these words, within, inside, and thoughts. Take a look. Mark chapter 7. And then he added, Jesus, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, let's read it together, out of a person's heart comes Evil, notice the first thing, thoughts. So you're going to see in a moment that our thoughts are connected to our heart. Out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things, all these sinful things come from within. They are what? defile you. So automatically you understand this next statement. Write it down. Guarding my heart means to guard my thought life. 
You see, Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. See, the Bible reminds us what we think we become. That's why we have to be in the Word of God. I can't think like the world. I can't think with my own mind. I have to think with the Word. I can have the mind of God. So out of a person's heart come evil thoughts. So notice our minds and our hearts are connected. Now, most people don't really get that. When you see people who do some of these things and they're vile and all kinds of things, here's what these people will say. Well, Pastor Mark, they were raised in a bad environment in a home, and that's why they are like that. Or they were raised in a dysfunctional home, and they just had a, there was no dad in the home or no mom or whatever. And that's kind of why their heart is like that. That's why they do these things. By the way, any of you here raised in a dysfunctional home? Anybody? Let me see a few of your hands. What the rest of you? Perfect homes, right? Now, how many were raised really in a dysfunctional home? Everybody raise your hand. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Mark? Were your parents perfect? Are you perfect? My case is closed. We're some worse than others, for sure. But we are all... Re- Hello. It doesn't come from our... Env- our problem with my heart is not my environment. Adam and Eve were in what kind of an environment? Perfect. What did they do? Mm. They sinned. It wasn't the environment. It was their heart, their thought life. Wow, we can be like God. So where does this really come from? How come my heart's like that? Well, God defines it for us in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, 9. Look at this. The heart is deceitful above all things. Here's the big deal. Beyond cure. Who can understand it? See, every person is born with a sin nature. Our hearts are spiritually unhealthy, sinful, and evil from birth. But the Bible says, it warns us, apart from God, Our hearts, our control center is sinful, flawed, and there's no cure. Apart from God, I cannot cure my evil heart. Impossible for me to do it. That means I can't make godly decisions because my heart directs my path. I can't live for God. I can't do life right. Now, the Bible gives us pictures of heart. Some are horrible. We just kind of read a lot of those things for you. But for us as Christians, when God changed you, We still have this old tendency. We still kind of want to sit in that seat. You know what I mean. It's our old sin nature. We're changed. Our spirit's been changed. Now, here's something you need to understand. I'm going to go through some things that can happen. And as a Christian, you can have these, even though non-Christians have them as well. Here's what a sinful heart looks like. Look at first thing here. Anxious heart. Maybe you have an anxious heart this morning. We already told you, relax. God's on the throne. Anxious heart, it lacks peace. Some of you here this morning have a prideful heart. We all struggle with that. Trusting in self eventually leads to destruction. How about an angry, unforgiving heart? Pastor Mark, can a Christian have that? Yeah, sure. Paul writes about it. Get rid of all anger. Get rid of that. And you forgive. You forgive. See, that anger, unforgiving heart affects every part of you. Maybe that's the heart you have. Some people are angry with God, not people. You have to forgive. God will help you. How about an evil and unbelieving heart? 
This is what eventually happens to people that turn away from God. They get off on the wrong path. They stop believing. But you can't really follow God without faith, believing. Because the scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Here's a big one for all of us as Christians. A divided heart. That means we're trying to live for God, and we're trying to be in the world at the same time. It doesn't work. It never works. A divided heart. You'll see God give us a focused heart in a moment. And last, a difficult one. You don't want to go there. Don't even think about it. It's a hardened heart. How does a hardened heart happen? A hardened heart happens because of this. When God tells us to repent or obey, we refuse to repent. And when God speaks to me and I reject him, my heart starts down a path that gets harder and harder and harder. And pretty soon I can be in a church service. I know I should repent. I know I should come back to God. I know I should become a Christian. And I refuse to do it because my heart doesn't respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a danger point because the book of Genesis says there's a point you can get which your heart gets so hard. God says, you want it that way? Settled. No more does the Holy Spirit deal with you. Now, you can't come to Christ without the Holy Spirit. So don't go there. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't want a hardened heart. We'll talk about hardened hearts in marriage next week as well. He said, well, Pastor Mark, does God have a solution for these sinful, evil hearts? I uh, know. Have a nice week. Of course he does. Of course he does. I came across the story. It was true, and I thought it was fantastic. We think different like this. There was a man who, who was on this list. He needed a heart transplant on a list for a long time, and eventually he got one. And about a two or three months later, some of the family members of the man who had died came to visit him. And he discovered that the man who gave him the heart, his heart, was a Christian. And so his comment was to these people, he wasn't a believer, whatever. He says, now, if I have a Christian heart from this man, does it mean now I'm a Christian? How many say yes, he's a Christian now because he has a Christian heart? Of course not. It's what? It's physical. The Christian heart has to be what? Spiritual. So sometimes when we think this solution, we're thinking a solution, external things. And that's what Jesus was addressing. The Jewish people thought if they could keep the law, self-righteous, I'm better than you, I'm okay with God, and I keep all these 613 commandments and whatever, I'm perfect. No, it's not at all. But we have the same problem today. Lots of people think if they go to church, they give money, they communion, keep 10 commandments, water baptism, blah, 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 I can be right with God. No, no, no. You can't be right with God externally. It has to come from the inside. Now, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he attacked that over and over again. In fact, you hear Jesus six times in the Sermon on the Mount say this. You've heard it said, but I'm going to take it one step further. And see, much of the Old Testament was outward. When Jesus came, it went inward. Matthew 5, 27. Jesus says this to the Jewish people. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. By the way, is adultery a sin? Could I hear an amen? Of course it's a sin. Jesus wasn't saying it wasn't a sin. Of course it's a sin. But watch what he does with it. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully 
has already committed adultery with her. Where? In his heart. Whoa. I won't ask the question because I already know the answer. Is there any man here that's never committed adultery in your heart? Of course not. And again, you women are the cause of this. (laughs) But women, you can do the same thing looking at that Hulk. You know, a guy with muscle and good looks like me. I mean, (laughs) why are you laughing so much? (laughs) So notice what Jesus takes it. He takes it from where? The outside, and where does he put it? My heart and my mind. Remember what we told you at the beach? Just look straight ahead. He makes something, and you need to write this down. Our walk with God is always, it's not the external. It's always a matter of the heart. The heart matters. It's always a matter of the heart. So God knew that this heart was unfixable by rules and regulations. So he promises to give us a heart transplant. Did you know you were going to get a transplant this morning? A spiritual heart transplant. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I need a transplant. I need a heart transplant. Well, where does that promise come from? Here it is. Take a look. It's exciting. It's exciting. Ezekiel. And I will give them, notice, not a divided heart, I will give them a singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them, the Holy Spirit. And I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give their, watch this, a tender, responsive heart. Why would he do this? Here's the whole purpose. So they will obey my decrees and regulations. Then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. You say, well, when do we get that heart? What's it look like? Turn to the New Testament now, back to the New Testament, the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9. God's solution to man's sinful heart is a heart transplant. It's called regeneration. It's not something that's done physical. It's something that's done spiritual in our lives. Now, look at Romans 10, 9. You probably heard this verse. Some of you will pray this prayer this morning. That if you confess with your, notice again, mouth, Jesus is Lord. I'll come back to that in just a moment. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So when does regeneration happen? When does that new heart come in? Regeneration happens when a person repents of their sins. Repent means I'm sorry, and I'm going to change, and turns to God and places their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. When God forgives them, he replaces that old heart with a soft heart that's open, and he puts the Holy Spirit in us, God the third person. We sang it this morning in the control center of our life, and that's what takes place. So I want you to write this next statement down. At salvation, and that's the only way you're going to get to heaven, everybody must be born again. Every person gets a new heart and a new start. That's fantastic. A new heart and a new start. Every single person. You can't see God without it. 
Now, I want to go back to that verse because I want to clarify things. Because many people are going to be shocked. Look back at Romans 10.9. Look what it says. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Savior. Is that what it says? It says, I confess that he's what? Lord. See, here's what people think. Lord means, the original word is curious. It means owner. In a simple term today, it means boss. Here's what people like. Well, I confess Jesus Christ is my Savior because I need that piece of paper to get to heaven. Hallelujah. Ain't going to work. You can't just confess him as Savior. You have to confess him as what? Lord. The opening statement from Jesus, the next verse, and Luke, the opening statement from Jesus is this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? You see, being your Savior isn't going to make it. He's got to be your Lord. That's what a disciple is, a follower. Now, I'll talk a little more about it, but in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this to people after death, and they're on the judgment, and they appear before them. And he says, they say, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name. And he says, uh, you might have done it in my name, but I don't have a personal relationship with you. Depart from me. See, salvation is an event that leads to the starting point, which is discipleship. Many people, and, and I hate the verse, but I can't do anything about it. Except challenge you. He says, many will say to me on that day. They think, they said a prayer, they walked the walk, they came to church, and then they just did what they wanted to do the rest of their life, and they're going to go to heaven. Not going to happen. The last thing you want to hear from God is depart from me. Because you missed it. So he has to be Lord, curious. You have to obey him. He's the boss. He's the head. We're not our own. So Jesus is there. Remember, he's teaching his disciples this. And they will shout this. But many other people are there just for the good food. Little new teachings. The latest thing happening. Look at the crowd. This is fantastic. And they'll fall away. They won't even follow anymore. So can I challenge you? Here's what that next step of Lord looks like. It's very practical for us this morning in the teaching. Write this down. After salvation, God is now directing... Our hearts. Ask yourself this morning, is that where God is? He's now directing our hearts. God is at our control center. I'm no longer directing my heart. Now, we all wobble with that. We all struggle with that because sometimes I get in the seat and it doesn't end up very well. So he's not talking about perfect people. We're a work in progress. You'll see next week, our marriages are always a work in progress. See, God God never asks us to be perfect. He challenges us to be. He knows we never will be. But all through the scripture, it says, make sure you're progressing, that you're moving to be more like him and think like him and minister like him. Today, we learned that we need to acknowledge Jesus as our Lord, not just our Savior. We need, as Pastor Mark taught, to allow God to take over the control center of our lives, what we call our heart. We also learned that in addition to our hearts, we need to let God take control of our minds. Our thought processes need to be brought under the control and sovereignty of God. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. 
Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com, click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. We'll see in the next lesson from Pastor Mark the many places in Scripture that speak of our need for a regenerated heart. We will be reminded of the benefits of living a life in tune with the mind and heart of God. Pastor Mark will be teaching us what we need to do to begin the process of letting the Holy Spirit realign our thinking and reactions so that they're in harmony with His. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving